0: Hello and welcome to This Film Should Be Played Loud, the podcast about me, Ross Burks, trying to make Hollywood Boulevard my first feature film. Okay, so I know it's been a good few weeks about, um, since, about, already, not off to a good start, can't speak. Um, I know it's been a good few weeks since the last episode, which was the cast episode, and you're probably saying, Ross, you the, the description is weekly episode, not every, like, 21 days or however long it's been. So I apologise for the, for the, um unforgivable delay but there's a lot to talk about that's the plus side the reason there hasn't been a podcast is just because I've I've been through all sorts of peaks and troughs of progress um which you're probably thinking well, well why weren't you documenting them in the moment why did you know that's the whole point of this podcast is to week to week see what's going on well the reason is I mean I actually I've rec- I tried recording like two odd episodes but it was just like there were some weeks where there wasn't really a right lot to talk about and I was just kind of not in the right mind frame to really articulate myself properly. Then another one was, I was doing one and then the day after like something really good happened that was fresh, so I thought, well, I'll do it then. I didn't end up doing it, So, I, but I've been keeping notes, so here we are anyway. I should stop think dwelling in the past and look look forward and here we are. Uh, there might be a different ambience this time because I'm actually sat in a kitchen, so I might be a bit echoey, there might be more sounds of cars driving past, all kind of crap. The dog might start barking, but, you know, it's all all part of the experience of doing a guerrilla podcast, as you were. Okay, so what's been going on? So the last episode, which itself was a bit of a strange one, because instead of me giving you an update, it was me sat in a car with the cast, and we were talking about what was in our heads post the first read-through. It's been even longer, really, since you've just had me sat with my own thoughts. So, But it's good. It's good to be back. And so, yeah, the last episode was me and the cast... In a car, we'd just been to the Rex cinema and read through the script together. I was with Guy, who's playing Felix, Monica, who's playing Max, and Terry, who at that time was going to be playing Victor, who was kind of an antagonist character. Um, but since then, um, there's been a bit of a cast switch up. So, update number one, what's actually happened? The, the person I, who I wrote the part of Brian for, um, Peter Quinn, who's a really, really good actor based in Manchester, who's done a lot of, a lot of cool stuff. I always talk about him. His schedule's kind of, you know, obviously because he acts part-time and then he works and he's, any struggling at all, well, you say struggling, any, you know, jobbing at all nights, no, scheduling and managing your time and balancing it with a, with a work life is kind of difficult. So the, the only days we really have access to the cinema where we're shooting the film are in the week and he's, it was kind of up in the air whether or not he would be able to get weekdays off to shoot uh, or... Because at the minute he's kind of really limited to weekends, so the big worry was if he can't work weekdays, there's no way in hell he can appear in the film because we we have very limited to no access on a weekend, and he's the part of Brian is quite substantial, especially in the first um, half of the film, and which is really where a lot of the um, the main meat and potatoes of this chunk that we're shooting this year comes from the first half. So it's very a lot of Brian stuff to do, and if we we he can't come and do Brian scenes, that means we can't shoot. The scenes that, because there's a lot of, I, I keep saying the three core characters in the first half of the film really are Max, Brian, and Felix. And a lot of their scenes, you know, there's at least two of them in every scene. So if you lose one, it's kind of tricky. So anyway, so I spoke to Peter and we tried to get t- together to do like a rehearsal, a read-through. It, it was just, it was quite evident that it was getting very difficult. And um, so I give him a ring, we just had a, had a, had a talk, and we just sort of, Came to the conclusion that I don't, we don't think it's going to happen. It would mean us really putting off the film or really trying to stretch ourselves too thinly to try and meet his availability. Um, so we just had to had to kind of bite the bullet and and part ways. But it, you know, it was nothing. It wasn't. There's was no bitterness. There was no. You know, he was um, quite good not to be part of the film because he did. He does like the script and the part. But it's just this kind of stuff happens all the time with with the um, you know casting and so it's not. It wasn't something I wasn't. Unpre- I w- it wasn't something I was unprepared for. I did have an inkling, but the good news is, um, way way before I started writing the script, and these characters were just kind of coming into my imagination. I always try and think about actors I've got access to immediately. So obviously Peter would be in there because he was somebody who I'd seen in short films made in Manchester. So I thought he must be accessible. But before I really settled on Peter for the part, I did play with the idea of Terry uh, Terry Corbett, who you heard in the last podcast, who was, who was I decided on as Victor. I did actually briefly consider him for Brian and thought, well, Brian, he could do it. And the thing about Terry is Terry's, he does a lot of acting and stuff and he always, if you look at his face, he always gets cast as like the villain or the, the heavy. So I guess casting him as Victor was um, a bit, I think he probably wanted to do something a bit more interesting, but I just, I felt like I needed an actor I could really trust to play this this because um, Victor's a very he's, he's only in it very briefly but he needs to leave an impact and I knew Terry could do intense and scary and villainous really well but I know that I could collaborate with him and not make it like a cliched heavy because even though he was probably skeptical about doing another heavy sort of like violent um, intimidating sort of character. Um, I, 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 kind of, I said to him, I don't want this character just to be that. I want it to have some more complexity. I want it to be a bit. You don't really know where this guy's coming from, but he, yeah, he definitely has that shade to him. So working with, Te- I said to Terry, and if you're going to do this part, it's not just going to be a straight and narrow villain part. I want to do. So- I want you to feel like you're doing something interesting with this kind of archetype that you, you've worked in so many times. Um, but that doesn't matter now. Um, so basically, I spoke to Peter, and then I'd actually prepped Terry before this because I, when we did the read through at the cinema. At the cinema, it was me, um, yeah, so it was me, Matt, uh, Monica and Guy and Terry. I did a few scenes where I asked Terry just to read as Brian, just so I could hear his voice doing the role. And I also read some parts of, I read Brian and how I think he should speak. And Terry really, I think he sort of tuned into that. So I, I, I knew before, because I, I had a feeling if Peter couldn't do it, I needed to solve that problem really quick. And it was good to have Terry who is very much kind of available and his, his, his schedule is very open in November, December, which is perfect for us. So I knew as long as I get those three casts, I'm sort of halfway there that I can at least shoot a good bunch of scenes and not really have to compromise. So Terry got promoted, as you will, to he's now the new Brian, Brian Cleese, who is the acting manager of the Rex cinema when the film starts. Um, he's stepping in for Francis, who is the actual manager and the manageress um and Brian's kind of the comic relief character so I know I know Terry's really happy I spoke to him and he was thrilled to kind of take over the part because he really wanted to do something different and play this sort of dad character so he's really pumped for that so that was good it was you know again it was sad because the it's, it's weird when you you have to rejig your vision of the film anyway because I was so kind of wanted Peter to do it and I never even really got chance to hear Peter say the lines so it was a bit I didn't even get a taste of it, which I suppose is sort of a blessing because if, if he'd come to a rehearsal and I fell in love with him as Brian, to have him not do the part would be difficult, and then have to rejig the vision. So I guess it was a blessing in disguise the way it, the way it unfolded. But you know, again, I wasn't totally prepared for it. So um, I hope to you know, I do. I, I said to Peter, I, I, I still like he as an actor. And I even if beyond this film, I'll still probably be making short films or wanting to work with local actors and things like that. So I will co- totally keep it in mind. For parts and write things for him, He's much the same way I wrote this part for him. So that was that. So that's um. But the good news is I've got like the three guys, well, two guys, one girl, Max, Felix, and Brian. They are like locked down now. We've um, I'll get into this later, but we've sort of worked on scheduling and uh, we've got a, we've figured out. Yeah, we've got them for a good number of days where we can shoot a real substantial chunk. So that is that's one thing to be totally relieved by. But, let's let's get into this now, there's been, the past few weeks have been a bit hectic in terms of having to do a lot of, st- having to prep a feature film, but sort of doing it single-handedly, <laughs> and the um, the weight of that, and all the little bits and bobs and all the organisation and all the formalities I guess, and all the process and all the, um... because if you're doing an independent film, you sort of, especially for me, who I, I don't have a lot of experience doing things professionally. Like, I've never put together a feature film. I've never even, like, been on work experience on a film... S- I mean, I've been to, like, film sets, but I've never been there long enough to get the day-to-day organisation, all the the paperwork. I, I know of it. I know it exists. I know sort of how the whole thing works, but I've never actually, myself, put it, done it and put it into practice. I've never... Um, sat with somebody and watch them do but I always hear it's like the most stressful thing like prepping and all that stuff is really stressful So I really tried to save a lot of time and effort in by writing a script where I thought Well, we don't need to location hunt because the locations there. We don't need to like redecorate it all because it's all there We don't need to I don't need to cast my main characters. because I've written them for these parts. I don't need to um do it. I, the film's very the the scene the character count within the scenes is usually quite minimal. There's not there's not many scenes where it's more than two people talking, so I I don't have to like a aso- um, an ensemble of actors. I don't need to get all these costumes figured out because they work at the Rex. So all we've done is we've made our Rex costumes um, our uniform, and that's just like half the costumes sorted out for at least the first half of the film. So I've I've tried to be um smart in the way I've. Um, conceived of the film that would hopefully save some time, and um, knowing I was doing it independently, I thought, well, I'm not. I don't want to be trying to kid ourselves by amassing like a huge, ridiculous crew because one, we don't have the money to do it. Two, we're working on location in a space that I don't think would benefit from having a load of bodies running around. I think it would heavily distract from um, the actors, the performances, and it'd just be it'd be weird for me. I think it would make me uncomfortable in the fact that. I'm really trying to put into practice a lot of ideas and um, things that I've developed by doing things like on my own and into like making short films like they're really rough and ready we're like going out with a camera shooting an afternoon editing it on your laptop putting it out but I'm not stupid I know that when you make a feature film that can only take you so far like if you want it if you want it to be a Depends on like what your ambitions are, and this film definitely needs it. Requires like a step up from that. I can't just go in here with a with my one camera with the onboard microphone and just shoot it myself. It needs to have. I need to, It needs to be like a step up, and the whole that's the whole point of doing a feature film because I want to progress. I want to get better as as one as a filmmaker. I wanna be, you know, you want to make a film that's going to look professional. So you need a certain level of professionalism to go into it. But I don't want to be doing like. I I'm also don't want to lose because you know working with Guy and Monica, they've like Guy works a lot with me and he's not probably used to like big film crews and I don't really want him to just be thrown in and thinking holy shit there's all these people here I don't know all these and it'd be really awkward and I guess this is this is the reality of filmmaking because if we did go on and make something it's good to like figure that out now as opposed to being thrown in the deep end later on not knowing what the fuck to do if there's loads of money at stake but then again I'm like why I don't want to kid ourselves and be like look at us, we're a proper film, we're making a movie, and look at us, we get all this equipment, and I don't want to lose the naivety in a way, and just the magic of just going out and just creating something, I don't want it to, if, I think if we had all this equipment, and I kind of saw these people hanging around, waiting for me to tell them what to do, it would just be a bit like, oh shit, um, I don't know, <laughs> I, do, I don't want anybody there, or loads of people, who, I, who would make me feel uncomfortable, or I just, would. you know, I don't want that sort of atmosphere on set, and and I said, I don't know if I've... I'm sure I must have said this before, but the, the initial idea here was gonna we're going to shoot a good chunk of the film the last week of November into the first week of December, which is mo- ma- mainly stuff from the first half of the film. We're going to cut that together and then try and get some additional support, try and attract some additional talent for the back end of the film, um, because it's a bit more complex. And so this first half, so this first half, half of the film is really it's almost like a proof of concept, but we're also
1: doing it for real so it's not like we're just shooting things with the intention of coming back later and doing them better we really
0: want to make this this is all stuff that's intended to be in the final film so it's it's, it's you know a big deal it's, it's the real shit so I've been like dealing with all that and kind of realizing okay if I want the film to be a certain quality I need to have this 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 in place and um, my DP Ben Ben Safa who's shooting the film he's obviously had a lot more hands-on experience working with professional sets and working with big crews and like, he's in Cannes at the minute, working on um, a programme for Sky. So as you can imagine, all this stuff, there's real money involved day to day. He sees all the the crews, all the way everything works in terms of, like, one thing like, he was pressing on me recently is, like, um, get an assistant director. And I'm a bit like, well, do we need an assistant director? I've got this far with that one. And, um, but he seems to, he seems pretty convinced that we need an assistant director. Like one, not that he's telling me I need one, but I think he obviously must know more about the role and how like a working set, how, yeah, how a functioning set works. That I it would probably like make my job easier. Whereas I'm like, I don't know what an assistant director does. I just don't, I, I don't want a guy just showing up. Who's like, who's just something that I'm used to doing myself, but then again it's all to make everything smooth smoother, so it makes the film better, so it's just, it's that, it's that weird thing at the minute where I'm like, I don't really know what I need, I don't really know what to do in terms of the um, protocol but I think I need it, but I'm yet to be convinced but if it's good for the film, why not? <laughs> so there's all this kind of stuff that's going on and things like scheduling, like scheduling has been the big nightmare of the past few weeks because, um Okay, so it's one thing to, ha- to be making a film on your own, where you're just working by your ba- in your own time or working with an actor. You could just do stuff on weekends. But making a feature film and you need, like, three actors, you need to then sync up three different people's availability and to try and get them all free on the same day that is also matches up with the availability of the cinema. Because we only have access to the cinema on certain days of the week for certain amounts of time. So to get... And also, like, to for Ben as well, who's the, Ben, the DP, he needs to, like, get certain crew members to help him. And then he needs to, like, get them free on these days as well. So it's just, like, a real fucking headache. And I am I have to do that. Like, people's jobs are, like, to schedule stuff and figure out what's in the shot when. And um, there's all sorts of ins and outs. So like what I've basically done is we've managed to lock down... 7 days at the cinema, where at the minute we have 7 days where the Rex, the, I went to see the manager, a guy called Charles Morris, who's a, a character in himself, um, went, sat down with him and said, look, these are the days I'm looking at, can we do this? So at the minute we've got 7 days penciled in, which we're getting for free. And everyone's working here for free, everyone's working for a thing called deferred payment, where basically we have an agreement where nobody's getting paid for this, but if the film goes on to become something, oh we sell it for like x amount everyone will get paid like um 100 pounds a day or something like that everyone will get back paid where but the agreement is if nothing happens people are expecting the money so most people are doing it they're reading the script and it's all there in the pit if you look at the script and they dig the script and they really love the project and they want to do the character they're going to show up regardless how they if they're just doing it for the money you're not going to work on this film so it's, it's sifting through the people who really feel passionate about the project and think it's because I always, I keep saying, like, I really want this film. I want everyone to see this film in the same way that it's, like, a launch pad. Like, everyone wants to put their best work into this film so they can then progress and have a career from it. Which is, like, there are a lot of it's big expectations to have, but it's it's just an ambition. I'm not saying this is going to be, like, the film that launches us all into the stratosphere, but it needs to have that, um, we need to have that kind of gambling on it. We're all putting so much into it because that's what we want from it. This We're trying to make a film that we can really convert into some sort of first step on the career ladder and anyone who's coming just for like a paycheck is just not going to happen so um so yeah i mean yeah so the cinema of letters we've got these days at the cinema seven days but also with the understanding that because the cinema the rec cinema get being like a small city they'll get a lot of bookings around christmas from like schools who wanted to have like last day of term we're going to go to the rec cinema we're going to watch like um, a film like primary schools and stuff like that will do it for like, the kids so they'll hire out the cinema for a day and watch a lot of films on the big screen, have popcorn and that's obviously revenue for the cinema so we've got these days booked in but with the understanding that if a school comes to them and says, oh by the way um, we want this day, we, we can pay £450 a day, or however much it is it's difficult for them to turn them down because, oh well we can't do that day because we've got some people like doing some filming here for nothing, <laughs> so there's no way I can say to like Charles and and everybody well just turn them down I need to lock these down but I we have like an agreement where if it comes to if we if we're so far along where I mean I'm willing to lose some days at the minute I mean 7 days is just like if we have 7 days that'll be a miracle I'm hoping we get 5 days so there's 2 days there that I I am kind of prepared to lose but if we get them perfect, I, I don't want to lose them. But if we do, but if we get down to five days and we're losing another day, I, I've said if we have like an agreement where we've got like per, first point of refusal, so if somebody comes to book that day, they have to ring us first and offer it to us. If we can cough up £450 pounds to cover that, that day, we'll get the day. So it's, um, so there, there's like, that's like hanging over my like potential. Okay, we, we, I need to spend money on certain things to make this happen. Like, I, I there's no way I can get, like, um, Um, like for instance we need a sound person and I, I think the sound person it's going to be hard to find a sound person sound person sound recordist who can come for like five to seven days with their kit work all day and expect them to do it for like nothing because sound is such a crucial part of like doing a professional film the sound needs to be really on point needs to be like I just need somebody who knows what the fuck they're doing with sound they're going to boss it it's going to be awesome and I don't need to worry about it. So, when we come to do like editing, all the sound is just like as good as it possibly can be. And I just need somebody who's like in charge of that. But that's going to, that kind of level of um, scale and professionalism costs fucking money. So, I'm like, one of the things I think I would have to do is we're just going to have to pay a sound guy. And you, that might sound like, well, if you, you, that, you kind of get this thing where you think, well, if I'm paying him, everyone on the cruise, I'm like, well, how come you can involve me to pay him? But you can't pay us. And it's just like, I'm not trying to fuck anybody. It's just, I've got a certain amount of money I can I can realistically spend on this project, and I need to like put it in the most important place. If somebody like the, the amazing thing about Ben is like he's he sees this project the same way I do. He wants this to be like his first film as a DOP, so he's really invested in it in that way, and he wants to put all his equipment to use to show it off to you know play with it. So he's got that investment. um Whereas not everyone, but luckily not the actors as well, they've all got good parts, so they again see it as okay. This is a really good part. I don't get this opportunity very often, I'm going to really make the most of it and just bite the bullet in terms of money and just really enjoy the experience of doing a film this way and trying to see how far we can take it. But like I said, I'm going to have to spend some money somewhere, but I'm trying just to spend the money. Um, I'm only trying to spend money if I have, if I really, really have to. So I, I really could do without spending £450 a day at this cinema. So I'm just praying to God that hopefully whatever's you know, somebody must be looking down on as some sort of movie gods are gonna give at least give me like five days. Pray to God. Um that we can you know that we can sort that out. So scheduling, yep, schedule's been a bit of a nightmare. As it stands, schedule is like pretty good. I managed to give Ben the dates saying, look, these are the dates, so you can like find people now to be available on these dates. Cause the thing about the cinema is there's not gonna the dates are gonna change. Those are the only dates we've got. And because um, those are the only days that cinema are not to have a showing in the middle of the day, which is, there's no point in showing up at 9 in the morning if they're going to be doing a showing at, um, at 12 o'clock because the amount of set up time to shoot. It's not going to be worth it at all. So we're really trying to get in, like, full days, 9 to 6. Um, and those are the only days we've got that are, you know, within that time period. So that's been, like, my headache and all this scheduling stuff and, tr- and really trying to, like, put... just emailing people and people and just... Tr- Trying, I'm doing this project and just seeing how far we can get just by the strength of the script and hopefully my enthusiasm and the project is hopefully interesting and um, tempting enough that people wanted to be involved with it just just to create something. So that's what I've been doing and, um, and the thing that's getting me through it really is just moving forward and like what's been happening since the last podcast, we I've got together with the actors again, so Peter dropped out, obviously... The last podcast the one before the the what the one before the cast pod, podcast the big thing I needed to do was finish the new draft of the script which I did the week after that that was finished so I then had like a solid script where we could kind of all the scenes are locked down um everything's nothing's gonna change in terms of additional scenes or anything like that so we had the new draft and um that's what we did. Uh, new sorry, that's a new draft. That's the one that I rehearsed in the cinema with the actors, and the, the rehearsal was really, really good. By the way, I didn't really get much chance to talk about this on the the cast podcast because it was so hectic and slapdash, but it was really great to like hear the 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 actors. I'd written the parts for. Obviously, Terry wasn't supposed to be a Brian, but just to have him in the environment I had to have because I had the I've got the the Rex Cinema polo shirt, so I had Guy was wearing his and Monica was wearing it, so I could really see Guy as Felix, Monica as Max. Not too far of how they're going to be looking like on screen in the film, um, and that was that was awesome. And hearing their voices with the dialogue was was fantastic because then I could uh, I could relay make sure that the, the dialogue's working and that it kind of fits their their cadence and that the rhythms and the picking up on it. And even um, you know, it wasn't perfect because it's only a first read through, so a lot of it's just re- them it reading out lines. But Guy, especially, I could tell Guy had been really working hard on the script and really thinking about it, and he was he did really really well. And um, but the week after that, last Wednesday, we did. Um, I we all got together. Went to Manchester. Cause Monica and Terry both live in Manchester, so me and Guy drove over on Wednesday morning, and spent um, a good half of the day, a good like four hours or so, in Terry's pad, and we just ran through all the scenes that we're pretty much going to be shooting in in, um, in November December, and it was it was an awesome, really really cool process. It was really the first time where I've actually had, where I've done a project that I, I think is, I have so much riding on where I really wanted to um, rehearse, rehearse, rehearse. Because a lot of the short films I make are really quick, so it's, a, it's not like a big deal to get there on the day, talk through the ideas with the actors an hour or so before we shoot, and then get them there by the end of the day. It's, it's really doable. With a feature film and with the, with the characterization being so complex, you really need to like prep all that and work, like it, it, there's no, if, if, if I didn't rehearse, if I had no rehearsal time with these guys, and just showed up on the day, like I, I don't think I would be shooting anything. So I need to, I need to make sure that everyone's like, we're all on it, that we're all on the same page. So last Wednesday was really, we got really stuck into it. Where they'd, we'd, had done the week before, we'd read through it, so everyone was, I didn't know, you're familiar with the material. I'd done like my readings of certain characters and the the to, kind of set the tone. I think Terry talked about it in the last podcast, where with me reading some of it and the rhythms he. Could, everyone tuned into the tone of the piece. So by the time they came back the Wednesday after, when we were at Terry's last week, everyone was really, really into it. Um, And that that was really, that was fantastic. And that was one of those things where I was like, holy shit, this is actually coming to life now. And I don't really need to worry about the performances. Not that I was worried about the performances, but there's always this thing where you write parts for actors. And the thing is as well, like a lot of the actors I've written for, I've never actually seen them do characters like this like in their previous works that's the reason I wanted them to do it because I, could, I see them that they're capable of it but I've never actually seen them do it I feel like this is what the, the roles they deserve again not to say that the, the, they've been doing roles beneath them because I'm, like Guy works with me so that includes stuff he's done with me and stuff I've given him before but on a feature film scale I really think they, these are the kind of parts that they would really thrive off of and really um, really smash out the park but again that's all theory until I actually have them there um, doing the lines and kind of Direct them to where I think they need to be, um, I I didn't know. Whereas last Wednesday, I really saw for the first time, okay, this is really, this is actually working. Like everything I thought in my head is starting to really take shape now, and the characters are really coming together, and it's really becoming a collaboration. And um, I swear to God, it's one of the most, like, I love actors so much. I have so much respect for actors, and just writing um, characters and seeing them come to life is like one of the, the big things that's just keeping me through this. Not that the film. Not that the project is hard to be enthusiastic about, but it's easy to forget about all that cool stuff and all the fun stuff that that the audience is just gonna see, where they're just gonna spend time with the characters. And it's in, so much of this film depends on liking those characters and believing in them. And um the work's already begun where that that's totally taking shape and I was just I was just grinning like a fucking idiot at the end of that day. And really felt like no matter what happened, like feel one feeling really good about the script and that the character work and the dialogue was not shit, because that is a worry, and that's on me. So I need to make sure that that stuff is really good. Um, but it's, again, the thing that's really good as well about this whole thing is, yes, it's the first feature film for a lot of us, but it's also like this is the first time. Like, I, what I kind of got sidetracked, but what I was saying was, this is like the first time I've really put so much time into one thing. I've never sat down and developed characters with actors this extensively before. And gone through like line, but like literally, what we did was I would let them. We'd go through the first half of the script, all the scenes we want to shoot, and I'd let them read the lines as they heard it in their head. And then I hear it in my head the way I think it should be done. And I could then they I'd let them do their version, see see where they're coming from. And then what we started doing was um, even down to every single individual line. I would say I think this line should sort of be said. um, This line to me is coming from this place, and the history behind this line, I think, is this, and the, and it's, it's weird, because when you're the writer of a script, there's so much that goes on in your head that you really can't put into the script, so when I'm writing scenes, I sort of know, like, all the stuff that's built up to this moment, that's happened off screen, that the act that is irrelevant, really, to the story of the film, to the content, it doesn't really matter, and so I see exactly, I know why they would act the way that I have written in the script. The actors don't necessarily know all that. They don't necessarily have all that backstory. So it's 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 my job then to sit with them and explain where I think it's coming from. Now, this isn't like a case of if you want to be a good actor and you want to, like, nail your parts. It's not a case of you need to know all... Like, some actors do. They love to know all the backstory and all this stuff. And even some writers, like... I, I do know all the backstory of the characters. It's not like I, I don't. Really, I don't sit and intentionally think it up. It's just that's the way they come to me. I, they arrive, and I. All that stuff just happens in my head. I just understand it, um, and the characters get developed. I don't make it's not a chore for me to like sit and think out backstory. It just it just happens in my head. They just exist, and before I even start writing, the characters come to me first and sort of form before I start writing how they speak. And some actors love that, and some actors like to do it privately. But Guy, Monica, Terry—they all really seem to enjoy me kind of telling them where I. Th- this scene here, the reason Max and Ga- the reason Max and Felix are being snaggy towards each other in this scene is because a few days earlier, which is not going to be in the film, they did this, and I think Felix would—I think Felix type characters do this, this, this—and Max is reacting because she. This has happened, and then all of a sudden, when they would then go back and read the the, the scene. It was, like, almost perfect. There's still, obviously, room in there for them to add their own interpretation, tighten it up and make it more concise. And, obviously, there's only... You're not going to... The thing is, when you're in rehearsal, you're not expecting the actors to give you the best take when you're rehearsing, because it's rehearsal. The whole point is to get to the point where um, when you're there on the day, you fucking know what you're doing. So when it's time to deliver the take or the when you know, you know what you're doing. So... I can tell we're only, we're, we're only pushing it to a certain percentage with the knowledge that we're going to put it all the way when we're actually shooting it. And that's really exciting to me because I'm, the progress so far is like way better than I imagined. It's like, in terms of like where we are time-wise, um, we're a lot further along. The actors are much, much in tune with the characters than I thought they would at this point, which is um, excellent. So that, that, was, that was awesome, all the characters coming to life. Um it was also cool seeing Terry's little pad. <laughs> little bachelor pad that he's got. Um and so what happened next i remember, okay this is I'll go into this as well because I talking about the the weight of the because I think this is part of this podcast is trying to inspire other people maybe to go out there and do something whether it's a feature film or whatever your like creative ambition might be that you think is impossible. Just like, I like always hear these things, people say, just go for it, just just do it, just do it. And sometimes that's not really feasible, it's not realistic. Um, but I always think there's a version of that. If you find like, the simplistic version of achieving your dream and trying that, that's you might as well try it. And this, this film for me is like, I wrote a feature film that I could do, um, even in the most compromised form, it would still be close to my vision of how I want it to do, so I thought, why not try it? Which is why I've like stopped working... Um, kind of got a amount of savings that I'm that will going to get me through to like a certain month next year until then I really need to like work again so I've really put everything on the line put it into this project is almost like just a big ditch effort of just let's just I need to just fucking try and make a film and I think but the reason a lot of people don't do that the reason probably I haven't done it for such a long time is you feel like you're not ready and you feel like I don't think I'm I'm not there yet I'm not at that point um and also I think I've gone through that and I must have got to a certain point where I feel like I know enough now to try it. Because the re- there's, I didn't do this four years ago probably for a reason. And when I think about like the ideas I had four years ago and like the, this type, type of stuff I was writing, it's nowhere near like as good as this is. Um, so I'm kind of glad I didn't try it back then. Whereas now I, I feel like I'm at a place creatively, um, personally, where I feel like it's the time to do it. But, just because you, you say you're going to... Obviously, so many people know this. Like, people say they're going to do something. And it just might not happen. And that's nothing that's nothing to do with people being lazy or people talking too much. I mean, I'm doing a podcast about making a film. This could easily just be me talking about doing a lot of stuff and not doing it. But sometimes you want to do something and it falls through for, for one reason or another. But one of the things that... Like, if you're trying to create a project on a big scale like this. Or, you know, like... Putting a feature film together it's quite a big thing. You know? So... Speaking as a filmmaker, I think one thing that really like will put you down is maybe self doubt. And I've met a lot of people who are like filmmakers who wanted to be filmmakers. And I bumped into them, like years. I've like ever since I've been seven, I've always wanted to make films. I've always wanted to be a filmmaker, and it's the only thing I've ever really pursued. I've never really had like a proper ninety five job. I've always just done stuff just to keep me going enough where I've got the free time to like try and be a filmmaker. So doing freelance video work to me is like doesn't seem like a proper job. It's just something that's just on like a tightrope of keeping me financially stable to like not have to give up all my time and work at like a, a 9 to 5 crappy job. Um, which I'll, if this film just fails that's probably what will end up happening until for god knows how long until like I get the money again to like try something like this again. But I know a lot of people who've been wanting to make films and had that spark, had that fire in them. And then I bumped into them years later and they just lost interest. They've got like a job and they've not... And they just don't have like the push or the the enthusiasm or the inspiration to like do it anymore. And they just feel like... It's like the real world just beats them down. And I met like a a filmmaker I know recently actually. And he was talking about how he's just lost the spark and just lost... Doesn't have any enthusiasm. And I've never really lost that spark. I've never been at a time where I've been like, I don't want to fucking make movies. Fuck making movies. I've never really had that. But... There's this thing where you get really excited. You write scripts and it's all on paper and you're starting to put it together and it's really really exciting and you're like, okay, oh, holy shit, I'm so this is gonna be awesome. I want to make it. This is gonna be like the best film shot in Yorkshire that ever. This is like the, one of the most original ideas ever. Oh my god, you get so enthusiastic about this idea that you have put on paper and first you get the idea and then to put it on paper and then get the script finished and then you've got your cast like, fuck it, we're gonna do it. Let's just make this film. Let's do it. But once you get over that, you've then you're then in like the trenches of. Oh shit! I've got to like I've got to make this film now. I've got to do it. And you have all, like I you know I did it. I thought I know this producer, Robin Forsyth. I know this other producer. I know these people I know. We're, they all, everyone's going to jump in and work on it. And then we're all going to like this support system and we're all all these people going to be pulling the weight. And then obviously doesn't happen. Like yes, Robin was interested in the project, but she doesn't have the time or that you know she's busy working woman producer. She she couldn't physically just drop that and take on this project full time. So then you've got to deal with okay, I don't have a producer, like I thought, so now I've, I have guess I've got to, like, try on the producer and be a producer, I've never done it before, but let's let's do that, that, that point, and all that kind of stuff is where a lot of people maybe would just think, I'm over my head, um, I need to, like, slow this down, stop, and, um, I need to, like, get some additional support, get some additional people in, because I don't know what the fuck I'm doing, whereas I've just been, I'm really good at, like, putting doubt aside and putting, like, fear and, um, thinking of like the worst outcome just ignoring that and just being like well fuck that i'm just gonna go forward the whole thing with this project that's getting me through it is just keep everything just keep moving keep moving forward doesn't matter what happens i'm not gonna yes i don't have a producer it's not gonna stop me i don't really need a producer to like get this bit shot i go to the rex myself and speak to the rex owners and we'll organize some dates and i've got a dp and i'll okay a producer maybe probably help him scheduling but we don't have a producer so i guess i'll have to do that so it's just, as opposed to sat there thinking, oh, fuck, I can't do this. Okay, I need to, we need to wait till we get a producer, guys. I've just been going through it. But there was a few weeks back where I really started to feel the weight, where a lot of the stuff that I thought would slip into place just wasn't slipping into place. I had a DP, yeah, but there was... I had to, like, sort costumes out. I had to, all this... Ben was saying all this, the importance of scheduling, and and I was just like, oh, fuck, I don't, I don't know what... I'm over my head, like, I don't know. Is, am I going to fuck this up by being... By just ignoring, like the fact that I don't have all the resources I thought I had, I'm trying to make this for no money. Is and just being stubborn about it in terms of like not stopping and trying to raise money as put, you know, just keep moving forward as opposed to stopping and raising money. Is that just stupid? Am I, am I going to fuck the project up by being by just moving forward? Um, and there was definitely this 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 week or so. What was there now? There was, I'm sure there was like one thing that happened where I felt like. I just for like two three days I was just like ugh, it just kicked the steam out of me, and I just felt like what am I doing? This is stupid. I think as well it was just the thought of if like this is like inevitable for anybody doing anything like taking a bit of a, a risk, a leap of faith. There's always going to be that moment when you're like, well, what if I just fall down the middle of the cliff and like break every bone in my body and die? <laughs> and I think I was going through that moment for a few days where I was like, what if this just isn't very good? Like what um, like. I'm working under the assumption that I'm pretty confident in the script. I feel like the script's really good. I'm pretty confident in the way that I'm going to do it and that we're going to make a film that's going to be of a certain certain level of quality. And I'm relying on that to get us through. But what if that is just, like, not the case? What if, like, the industry... I have this very... I try and remain optimistic about the film industry. There's all this stuff you always hear all the time. The film industry is, like, awful. It's so difficult. It's so competitive. It's, like, impossible to get into. Being, you know, everything is just compromised. And to get anything through un- uncompromised is, like, a miracle. And it's just... Imp- all you ever hear is how difficult everything is. And everything that I've experienced and, every, like, all these speeches I've been to and everyone I've spoken to in the industry, I've, I've said that. They've that, like said, it's really fucking difficult getting a film going. It's fucking difficult getting it seen. It's really difficult everything is just really difficult so it's like well it's not a surprise to me everyone keeps telling me it's difficult of course it's going to be difficult but then I also have this thing where it's like I'm hoping we make a film that will get some attention where we can finish it and it will get seen and then we can make something of it but then it's like well what if what if that doesn't happen like what, what if we just put this money in and make this film it doesn't get into any festivals nobody sees it and it's just crap and we've just put this time and it's just nothing and I'm like, fuck. Is this the... well, well? Then what? Then what do we do? And I did have a few days where it was just a bit like, oh man, this is. And I think this was the time as well when I was like trying to schedule and I was finding it difficult to like lock some dates down with the Rex because I couldn't get the manager and I was thinking, this isn't going to happen. Like I can't even. I need to sort these dates. Out. I don't even have any dates down for when we're filming. But every single every day that passes where I'm not locking dates down, actors are going to be getting offers to work on other things, or you know, there's all there's all these various spinning plates that could just one falls and all of them come crashing down. But what but what gets me through, I think, and what got me through, because I I've got through that, was. Don't forget about, like, when you sit down, you get excited. For, for me to get excited about a film, writing a script, and putting pretty much everything I've got into it, kind of gambling and risking everything on this one idea, I've got to think about, well, the idea itself must have been to to make me excited about it. You need to, I always need to go back to that spark of excitement and inspiration. And then every time I sit down and read the script with the actors, I do get that feeling again of being like, oh, wow, um, beyond all the stuff I need to fucking sort out, beyond all, like... How much work and effort it's going to be to make this. Like, this is actually like, this script's actually kind of good. (laughs) Not to sound big headed, but like, reading the script and hearing the actors say the dialogue back to me and breaking it down has really been like, oh wow. Like, it gets me, that's the thing. The film itself, the project gets me really excited. And like, my enthusiasm for that hasn't diluted. Just get stronger. If anything, with every single new addition, every new component we add to the film, I get really, really excited, and it becomes closer to like how I want it to look and how I want it to exist, which is awesome. Because that's what gets me through it. So if anyone's out there like who hit that, are trying to make something. They hit that rut of being like, Ugh. and I'm like. This is not, that's not going to be, it. like, I got through a few days of that. That's going to come back. I'm sure we're going to be in the first day of shooting, or bef- the week before shooting, something's going to go wrong, and it's going to be like, fuck it. You're going to have the biggest urge to be like, I'm not going to fucking do it. We're just going to shut it down. Okay, it's all going to fuck up. But it's just keep, just go through it, man. Just, just power through it. And it's just, it's just making a film. It's not the end of the world, is it? It's not like, it's just making, like, it's not worth getting emotionally depressed or, like, Intimidated by, like, we are in control of the film. I wrote the fucking script. I'm directing this film. The film is what I make it. So, for me to sit here and let the film dominate me or like (laughs) beat me down is just like, well, fuck that shit. I'm not not having that. So it's just, well, I'm I'm going to make it happen. So that's what's keeping me through it. So, so yeah. So all that stuff of scheduling, all this crazy stuff of like not knowing what I'm doing. I've just sort of, um embraced as well it's just it's learning it's how you learn you always hear stories of filmmakers every time they made their first film they didn't know what the fuck they were doing um and i'm just going through that now and i've just got to go through it it's just it's how you learn you know so that was that was a fun few days not um but got through it so now we're back and what else has been happening um, okay the big the other big thing, obviously because Ben is the DP, he's actually he's because he's in Cannes at the minute in France doing doing this this show for Sky. And he's um he works like evenings over there, and he's like an hour ahead. So what mean, so that's tricky in itself. Like trying to prep a film with your DP who's in a different fucking country all through Skype is um is tricky, but you know, kind of fun. There was nothing nothing difficult about that. <laughs> Um, but what's been happening there is uh, me and Ben have basically, we sat down with the scripts and we broke down the entire script into shots and setups and I, uh, through Skype, I basically talked him through, okay, this same one, I see it starting like this, the camera moves here, We this character here, we go here and he's writing all this stuff down and we went through the entire script over about two, of like two days, we just sat down, went through the entire script and spoke about how we both see it and um, how we want to visualise it, how we want to break these shots down into setups just so it makes him understand like, what kind of kit he's going to need, how many, how much time he's going to need to set up. And um, the good thing about that as well is because I've never really worked with a DP like that closely before. i never had that right-hand man who I can like... I've never really had to speak about my shots and my visualisation to anybody that in-depth before. So it was like a bit of a... It was like one of those things where it's like, okay, can I translate what's in my head now into words so he understands what the fuck I'm going for? And it was a bit daunting because it was like... I, this is the point where this guy's a DP, works on sets, does all this kind of stuff, and he's worked with other, like, well, the, I'm not saying, like, Ben is... Ben's not intimidating guy in terms of his experience. but He's just... He's had more... As a DOP, he knows more about it than I do. So, it's very it's very likely I could come out with something he's just like, what the fuck are you talking about? And I just might not... I, like... It might have even been... I, there's probably a part of Ben that was a bit like, well, let's see how he sees this film, because... He might be able to write a script that I'm interested in, but we, let me hear how he wants to visualize it because he might not know how the fuck to direct a film. He might not know how the, how shots work and how. um he, Like, imagine if I was like, okay, I this first shot I want to do it. This is a shot of like a girl walk. This is where Max enters the room. I want to shoot one here. I want to shoot a low angle looking up. I want to shoot one overhead looking straight down. Then I want to like whip pat Can you imagine if that was me? <laughs> and he was like, oh fuck. And he did have to like rein me in. and be like, um. Do <laughs> do this. And I was I was prepared for that thinking. I wonder how long it's like. I, I wonder when I'm going to have an idea of something. It's going to be like. Okay. That doesn't work because this, this and this. And I'm very stubborn as well. Because I always. I know like how I want it to look. And I usually. It's not until I finish the film when I look at it. And it doesn't work. And that's my way of thinking. Yeah, okay. You were wrong. But it's that's me telling myself I was wrong. I don't think it, Ben was like. Hmm. Um, this is. I don't like this shot. I want to do it this way. I don't, That to me would be like. I'd be like. Okay. But in my head, I'd be like, well, we're not fucking doing it that way. <laughs> when we get there on the day, Ben, we're going to fucking do it out of my way. You know, very much um, director speaking. But the great thing about that, though, none of that happened. Like, we broke down the entire script, and Ben seemed to, like, react. He was, like, nodding along, and you could see he was, like... There was very few instances where Ben had to, like, step in and suggest something, or, like, he said, I don't really get the the, the motivation behind this camera move or this this um, swapping angle, and... Um, he was very like complimentary, and it was like a real collaboration. We were both talking, working through it together, and it was felt like working with like your peers, and you were both problem solving together. It wasn't like Ben, the experienced DP, with first time director Ross. It was just like felt like oh, we're both making this film together. We're in charge of the visual side. It's a partnership, um, and it was really really cool, and it made me feel good about myself because you know he was he was re- and a lot of the shot decide a lot of the shot choice I had. Really made him understand the script better and the the scenes better, and he you kind of you could tell like missing pieces in it, his understanding maybe of the material like fit into place as soon as I explained like how I want this shot to be, what I think it needs to evoke the emotion, what the motivation is, character wise, tone wise, atmosphere, and um, it was really great to like talk about all that with him and really get it off my chest and really I had to like literally have the the fucking use a laptop almost like a camera and I would like act out. The position and because obviously you look at Skype, it's mirrored, so it's really tricky. Um, but we did, you know but we we made it through it and we got through the entire script, and um, that made me feel really good that Ben didn't say like um, okay, I, you don't know what the fuck you're doing. <laughs> um, we got to the end of it and it felt like oh, it, if anything, it made the whole you know the, it seemed like the project was more doable now. Like well we now do, and it kind of gave me an idea of oh this scene we can only need three angles for this scene we we'll only need one angle for this scene we we'll only need two for that and it was like oh okay so in terms of me thinking about what di- what um scenes we're shooting on what days it's really really helpful so that was awesome so in terms of if people are having struggled prepping a film try prepping one with your dps in a different fucking country use nothing but skype um but we did it and um i suppose like that however that turns up in the final product will be a testament to that process can you imagine if, like, we come and we shot everything and because I've been doing everything on Skype that's mirrored, like, all the shots that he's framing are all, like, mirrored the other way. <laughs> so, like, you need to flip everything. <laughs> and this is, like, but you got to think as well, Ben has never actually stepped foot in the location. He's just got a load of photos I've sent him. So for him to, like, figure out the floor space and how much distance between this and that, it must be difficult for him to visualise it. But he's really prepping the shit out of it and he's, they can tell he's working hard on his end to come on the day and be like, okay, know what the fuck I'm doing. Which is awesome. Um, and what else what else has been happening oh yeah another thing um, yeah so mostly the main parts are cast but what I always intended to do was there's some there's some like minor parts in the film because as the film is like um, a work, it has like this workplace comedy element to it so there's obviously things where like customers show up like punters for the cinema show up so you have like the little characters who pop up for like two or three minutes in one scene but they need to like make an impact and they need to be good for all those little parts, I didn't necessarily write those parts for actors I knew. So I knew I always had, would have to do go to like some sort of external casting to like find these faces to like make up the the little um the little bit parts in the film. So why I, when I realised okay shit I really need to like get these these people cast now these characters sorted out now I've got my core three I know like how I need to like complement them in terms of looks and body shape and body type and age and all that kind of stuff so what I actually started doing was I started looking at casting directors and I found a casting director who was actually based in Huddersfield she has an office in Huddersfield she has an office in London she's called Nikki Topping and um, she's cast a lot of cool stuff and I, I could not believe that I've lived in Huddersfield all all this time and I had no idea there was like a casting agency in Huddersfield like I had no fucking idea and I was mind blown. I was like, because I was literally googling casting agencies or whatever in like Yorkshire because I don't want to be casting people from London because I want to pay for people's expenses. But get somebody up from London for a day is going to be like £100 and it's just like, nope, not can't do it. I want to cast local people. There must be local actors out there. And I really wanted to embrace that and think I want to cast local faces. Um, I'd go to a casting director and I'd say, look, I know we don't have any money, but you must have people on your books or something who are just like hungry up-and-coming actors of different gender, race, age, um, anything who want to just like put their impact on like a small part. And obviously, it's a feature film. It's a bit more. There's. It's not as disposable as a short film. A feature film. There's obviously a certain amount of effort and craft going into it, where it hopefully make them think, "Oh, I'd, I'd like to do that." Because a feature, in many ways, is more of. Is, of course, it is. It's a bigger deal than being like a little bit in a short film that's five minutes long. So I emailed Nikki and basically explain the situation, hoping like, like if I send you the script, because I always have this thing where I feel like if people read the script, so far the script has done me a lot of favors, where people who might be a bit apprehensive have read the script and then be like, okay, no, I want to do it, I really want to do it. Um, so I always get to the point where I feel like if I can get the script into these people's hands, they're gonna want to be involved. So I thought if I get Nikki, explain the situation, local project, local talent, hit all the buzzwords, here's the script, I'm hoping that she's going to read and go, oh, wow, this is really cool. Yeah, I can give you a bit of time. Didn't actually work out that way with Nikki. She's so busy with other stuff, and she obviously has to prioritise paid um, clients. Um, She just couldn't make it work in terms of her time and her availability. She also said she doesn't actually have, like, a book of actors. I think I I I misunderstood what a casting director does. I always assumed a casting director was somebody who had, like, a big fucking binder of, like, headshots and just actors that they knew who would, who would like, projects would come in and they would be able to suggest these certain actors for the certain projects. And, you know, so I just thought, so I said to her, a very, can I just at the very least come look at your book or something and just pick out some faces who I think might look the part? But she said, that's not how it works. I don't actually have a book of actors, blah, blah, blah. That didn't work out. But um, Ben to the rescue again. I, this is I, I keep always praising Ben. And I really don't want to seem like I'm, uh, like, sucking him off or anything like that but if i'm he cuz he's had so much experience working on a variety of productions and from amateur to like professional he's obviously met a lot of people He brushed shoulders with a lot of people he's he's tried making features before so he's been through this process to a certain extent before so he's always got somebody he can like suggest so if i need somebody for a party, like what about this person this person this person so that gives me some ammunition to think oh thank fuck for that so he's really he's making up for my lack of contacts and lack of experience by knowing a lot of people he suggested a, um, a local casting director who i have um i talked to last week she's very keen on the project and the last i heard i sent her the script and the last i'm just waiting for her to get back to me after reading it um, and i have full confidence she will do i don't think she's gonna. sometimes you send emails and then you just don't hear anything back and you've got to prompt them i have a feeling she's just reading the script and she's probably getting her shit together then she'll get back to me and then hopefully we can um Cast those parts. Um, there's a few actors I've sort of thought of since, and rethought a few little parts for some actors I might know who I think could do it. Um, so that's good. But the good thing as well is, like, we're doing this chunk of filming November-December. The luxury of, like, working on our own time and our own schedule is that we don't need to... We don't need to, like, sh- try and shoot more than we need to. Like, if I can't find the actor to play this part, that just means I'm not going to just get anybody in because... The project's not going to benefit by rushing somebody in who's not right for the part. So that just makes me think, okay, I haven't cast this part, so we can't shoot that scene in this chunk. But that gives us extra time. We can then shoot this bit. But you know, I don't like that's the thing as well. That's the difficult thing about scheduling. I don't even really know what scenes we're shooting on what days yet because some of these act, some of these characters in these scenes haven't been cast yet, and I need to leave it open for their availability because I want I want actors. So basically, I've got the dates that we're shooting, but what we're shooting on those dates is up in the air at the minute. Um, and that's the thing Ben said to me as well. He said, oh, because I was like, uh, how, how do, the way you schedule a film is from what I've gathered, you break down the script. So you sort of look at like, okay, what actors are in what scenes? Um, you look at what props are in what scenes. So you try and schedule things. So it's like, um, so it's going to be doable and it makes sense. So there's no point if, so say for instance, I'm shooting a scene with, I've got two scenes with Max and then two scenes with Felix you're gonna try and shoot those two scenes maybe on the same day if you've got them available. So like Ben was saying, always work from your cast availability. So if your cast are available, really put them with a priority, because that's the most difficult thing. And that was really good to think, okay, so that's what I've done. I've got these dates, but what we're shooting on there is really at the is really at the mercy of like what actors we get for what parts and when they're available. So I know but the good thing is there though, I know that I've got Terry, I've got Monica, and I've got Guy. I've got those those actors are all, um, they're free for all the seven days, pretty much. So I know, no matter what happens, I'm going to have those three. So I'm going to be able to shoot stuff with those characters. And because they're in so many scenes, that gives me quite a lot of room to work with. So that's good. Um, what else been going on? We've, uh, oh, yeah, we've got um, an art director or an art directress. I don't know what the, uh, art director is the, uh, the term. Um, here's another Ben connection. His girlfriend, Ellie who um, he suggested saying, well, Ellie's around during the time we're filming and she has an interest in this sort of thing. So if you want, she can come on being be an art director. So I met um, Ellie, Ben's girlfriend. I, I want to say her last name, but I sent her an email a few days ago asking her how to pronounce her last name because I don't want to fuck it up on a podcast. But she didn't hasn't replied to that email or she might not have seen that bit of the email. So I don't know. So I'm just going to refer to her as, as Ellie for now. She turned up. Well, she just turned up. I met with her last week, last Tuesday, she went, she came and saw the Rex, and um, we, I just kind of talked to her through like all the, all the, the different um, spaces and kind of what I need, and in terms of an art director, you got to think, one of the things I need to do in this film, because it's a cinema, there's going to be posters on display, a lot of those posters and images in the cinema are going to be copyrighted, and also part of the film is they talk about some fictional films that are actually showing, so I really want to have some posters made that promote these fictional films that... And I want them to be designed in a way that's, like, consistent, so the film has a bit of a mise-en-scene consistency. There's some design there where it looks, it doesn't look like we put random shit, was so there's thought into all that kind of stuff. Um, and her coming on board means that she's, like, in charge of that department, so that's one less thing for me to stress about. So um, the only thing I really need to do there is press Ellie to get these things done, and if she if she can't do them, then, well, we'll have to figure something out. Um, but all that kind of stuff, if we had to compromise and, like... Yeah, you know, that kind of stuff is kind of minor, but needs doing. Um, so that's fun, and she liked loved the location, and she'd also read the script, and she seemed to enjoy the script, and it was good to have another female reading the script because there's a lot of female characters, and I like to gauge how the film, how the film reads with the female readers and female audience members, and I don't want to be that dude who's like, I'm writing all these female characters, but they just sound like. Oh, this is just like a dude's version of like what a woman sounds like. We don't talk like that. Um, but no, everyone, all the women who've read it seem to be um, happy with the characterisation and the approach, which is good. There's no real cliché female characters in here. If you can hear any scraping, it's like my dog suddenly. Poppy, what are you doing? My dog is like, um, suddenly decided she wants to be part of the podcast. Um, so yeah, Ellie looked around. Poppy, mm-hmm. go away. So Ellie looked around, broke down the location, I kinda and I sent her an email of like visual references for how I want the poster to look, kind of styles of posters, all that kind of thing. Which um I'm just waiting to hear back from her now when she gets her head stuck in that. Um, there's like a really big thing as well with this this first chunk of filming because the character of Max actually has um if you can hear some like dog like breathing, it's because my dog's like on my knee now. But there's like what the one of the real key like props or costume elements. Bobby, what are you doing? Is um, the character of Max, wears these trainers, these Converse. I've moved into like um, a a hallway because the dog is just harassing me. So I've had to get away from her. Women always harassing me. (laughs) That's a joke. Um, So um, so yeah, but one of the big things that I really, 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 really need for this first chunk of filming, is I need Max's trainers, and Max's trainers described in the script are very specific. They're like a pair of Converse that actually have like a, as opposed to being like plain white or plain black or plain red. They're like they've got like a collage design of movie star faces. Um, that's one of those things that's really good just to imagine in your head and picture. But in terms of like how the fuck do we like get them, get them made, or like how how do we even do that? It's one of those problems that I just thought. This is such a cool visual motif for Max. And that it's like it's not just like just a bit of a like a peppered flourish into the film. It's really they really do define the first time we see Max, we see the trainers. And wherever she's in the story really defined it sounds like a really strange motif, but it will make sense when you watch the film. But these trainers are really big part of like who she is and her her character and her interests and um they really need to like I can't really compromise on that. So it's one of those like if we can't get the trainers I'm not gonna fucking shoot Um, that is one of those things where I I really need them but in terms of how we get them made I'm just like at a loss and I've tried actually. I've like literally emailed big shot art directors and costume designers um, in a hope that they can reply to me and be like oh (laughs) like I haven't been emailing them saying oh excuse me can you make these trainers I just mean me saying look I'm about to make this feature film for very little money I've designed like these trainers are written into the script if you were doing this for a film how would you make them and just hoping they could say, like, uh, get, a, get some white trainers and have somebody draw on them with a certain ink or get them screen printed or stitched or... I have no idea. That's the thing. I don't know. I'm, I'm at a loss. And nobody's got back to me. So I feel like all these big, like, costume designers are probably getting them going, I don't fucking know. <laughs> I don't know how you're going to do it. So that's, like, the big thing that's that's worrying me. But it'll, um, it'll get done. And I've kind of stressed to Ellie, I've said, like, that is, like, if she gets those trainers done she would like, she'll just, she's more important to the film than, than fucking, than the cinema almost, like, like Ellie, that is like on you, if you're listening, that is, but get those trainers however the fuck we need to get them, that's one of the things as well, that if I had to spend money to make them, I can't spend that much, but if it means a few hundred pounds to get these fucking trainers done... That's gonna be awesome. Like, imagine, like, like, imagine if we make the film and it becomes like people really dig it and it's like a cult film. It's like, it's one of those things where people could go to like conventions and they they'd have to like wear those trainers. You'd recognize them immediately as being part of the film. Um, so that's like they're like a big part of the visual design. So um, we've just cracked an hour, which is to be expected. This is a long, long update podcast. What else has been happening? So the, yeah, so trainers been stressing me out. Um, uh, What else? I'll tell you what else, Um, the person who, the guy who does, the other key collaborator in a lot of my short films is is, uh, a person called Fraser Merrick, who, like, usually my short films, it's, like, me, and then Guy, and then in post-production, it's Fraser, and Fraser is a composer who I've known from university, he was in a band called Feeds that I did, like, a few music videos for, and then he ended up composing, like, music for all these little short films I made, and... We just really got on well, and he's really really good at working, like, at a fast pace. Like, I could finish a short film one afternoon. Well, we've even done stuff before, where, like, we've done, like, online competition, like, timed competitions, where it's, like, make a short film in 60 hours. And um, so I've, like, shot a film, and by the, like, you know, one evening, the same time the next day, the the music's finished, and the sound design. So he's, like, a really, he's a really good guy to have on board. (laughs) You know, it's also one of those things, like, he's one of those collaborators who, um, I always thought, well, if I'm going to make a film I want to see one of those guys I want to take with me who like if this is going to be something I want to like give him the opportunity to like compose the film so I, I got in touch with him saying, um, I know you probably heard I'm doing a feature film, I'd love for you to do it I know that you're probably busy working and living like a life and doing all this sort of stuff but the good thing about your part of the process is it's not till the back end so you've got a lot of time to think about it but I really want you to think about it now so I gave him the script and just got that ball rolling, he read the script, seemed to really enjoy it, found it interesting. Obviously I haven't really had a chance to like break it down with him so he can he can see how complicated it is. <laughs> One of the things I, I like to do is when people read the script, then when I sit down with them and we sort of break it down. I love when they pick up on things that I put in there that they maybe didn't get, and it's a very like smug feeling for me where I'm like, they go, Oh right, yeah, oh shit this is like about that and then this type. oh look and then you could really see they go oh and i'm like yeah yeah i feel like it really uh makes me feel very warm and fuzzy inside when um people praise the the writing because <laughs> uh, i do work hard at that i try really hard to make that stuff uh, pay off and deliver on many levels so it's uh i haven't really had a chance to sit down with phrases so he's probably a bit like well this film in the cinema is in there don't think he may, but I haven't really broken it down with him. But we, you know, spoke about music and how I want the music to sound and, like, examples and stuff that I want to, like, get his head space in. So when he's coming with ideas for this, the direction it's you know, this is going to be an independent film, so it's the type of thing you take risks with, that you try and innovate or break new ground or follow a, a train of inspiration that's maybe not the most commercial and obvious idea, but it's just going to be cool and interesting and different and weird and we did a short film together if you want to check out Fraser, like at his best if you if you go on my website rossburks.com and you find a short film called mouthwash his music for that short film is like my favorite fucking thing like in in my stupid pathetic filmography like his just the music for that short film makes me so fucking happy um really bizarre experiment i think it was very inspired by like he said he was like ripping off the guy who did utopia um and i love that kind of music like in terms of references for this score, i said um, go watch punch drunk love and go listen to john bryan's music for that cuz anyone who knows punch drunk love or, like the music it's just so bizarre and like um like seemingly built out of like bric a brac and there's like sounds of like duck tip being like <laughs> on the on the scar and like out of tune accordions and um sounds of just like stuff hitting stuff and it's just this amazing soundscape of that becomes music that really shouldn't be music but it's just so melodic and Interesting and the, the the use of found noise and um, also like brick is like that as well that has this like junkyard melody to it and um, I also said things like um, atonement the music who did oh what's the name of God? The music for atonement Dario Marinelli, I think he's called that actually uses like the typewriter as part of the score so I said to Fraser, you know let's really do something like that where we I don't know if it means you coming like sampling sounds of like the 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 film projector that's in the space and just making noise here, but that's the kind of thing I want because the film is so complex, like tonally in a way, and it's it's just like you can't really score this with do the John Williams thing and like I love John Williams, but you can't really do that with this film. You can't really try and play up to the emotion in the obvious way because it just wouldn't wouldn't work. You really need to like tune into the tone of it more, not the emotion. It's more the universe and the the vibe as opposed to, like, characters and emotion, it's, it's that kind of score. You know, it's kind of subtle, but I'm going to do something really cool. Um, so that ball is rolling, I'm really excited to see, well, hear what he comes up with, and hopefully talk to him more about that. So all these little balls are starting to roll, and um, I guess the most, the most the most terrifying thing I can say is, uh, technically, we're literally a month away, a month today, so today's October 25th, we're now exactly a month away before the first penciled in date to shoot, which is fucking terrifying. But um got another rehearsal there tomorrow with the cast. Uh well the, the three people who are cast at the minute. The script is in the hands of a few people, the casting director, an actress who I've approached to play a character. Um Yeah. So all this stuff's happening, loads of stuff happening, loads of progress. Um, But there doesn't seem like there's a lot of time to get it all locked down. But it'll happen. Ben comes back in the country in like two weeks or something. So then I'll see him face to face. And we'll go to the location and start figuring shit out. And yeah, man. So that's it. That's where we're at. So this has been episode five. Episode five. Yeah, I'm going to try. I say this every week. Like, well, every however many weeks it is that I try. I'm going to do it regularly. More regularly. I I can never say that word. Uh, I'm going to try to stick to it but sometimes it's like sometimes there's just not a lot to talk about so I like to keep them juicy and there's a lot of progress Um, so yeah there'll, there'll be another one coming especially with these four weeks everything's going to be ramping up so I'm hoping there'll be a lot of stuff to talk about week to week but if not it'll just come out when it's ready you know it might be early it might be late who knows as with all good births who knows what's going to pop out unless you've had like a ultrasound <laughs> strange analogy um, so yeah, this has been, this is film which should be played loud. If you want to follow me on Twitter, you can, um, at Ross Burks. There's also now, we've actually now got official, we've got social media stuff. So we've got um, Twitter, which is at Hollywood Boulevard, which is spelled Hollywood BLVD UK. So that's at Hollywood BLVD UK, that's Twitter. And you can see some little visuals there. So if all that you've been listening to this, there should be some on the SoundCloud page. This is now on iTunes. Some of the imagery. I mean, it's, it's very rough. It was just me going there, shooting a quick picture of like Ma- uh, Monica and Guy in the Rex thing. But you know, at least you get like a, a tiny, tiny scent of what the film might look like. Um, at least you can see two of the main characters. So yeah, there's um, visuals happening, and I'm trying to I'm trying to update everything. I'm really bad at like like I went to the location with Ellie last week, and I really should have just like got a picture of her like in the Rex and just tweeted out saying, "Art director, on set." Ugh just to keep the I just fucking didn't even think about it so I, it's, it's good to like train my mind to like be a documentarian and really capture all this stuff as it's happening and so we've got content 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 that's the key so that's uh, that's the end of this content this has been this film I've said this so many times that's the end of this film should be played loud episode 5 follow us on twitter follow me on uh, like the facebook page um, check out go on com if you want to see some other stuff like I said check out mouthwash to get a taste of Fraser at his best and um he did the music for most of the stuff so anything you click Fraser will have uh put his sound on and that's it so yeah thank you for listening um I will speak to you next time that's it cool